everyone. Welcome back to the MPPA Alumni Series. I'm your host, Wartha Siraj. No doubt, policymaking surrounding Indigenous affairs is a very hot topic. In today's episode, we are lucky to have Amanda with us. She will speak to us about her experiences on policymaking directly related to Indigenous affairs and what she's learned so far. So, hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. No worries. I want to jump right in. How about you tell the listeners about who you are and what your background was coming into the MPPA program? Sure. So my background is actually in social work. I did my undergraduate degree. It was a Bachelor of Applied Science in Family and Community Social Services from the University of Guelph Humber and a social service worker diploma. So my original background actually wasn't political science or anything in policy. It was actually a social work. Oh, wow. And when did you graduate from the program? So I graduated from the MPPA last October, last so October. I'm in the class of 2020. Okay, oh nice. So were you a full-time or part-time? I was in full-time. My program was about half full-time, half part-time. Okay, okay. And did you work as a TA, GA, or any uh, new jobs that you probably didn't experience during undergrad? Yeah, I was actually, I was a research assistant for oh. Dr. Pamela Palmoner. I got to work with her on one of her projects. Oh. And I was also a, um, an exam supervisor, which was a really okay. fun job. Okay, and how, how did you find balancing those jobs uh, with the course material and the program in general? It was actually really great working with Pam. I was taking one of her classes at the same time as I was her research assistant. So I was able to kind of work, work what I was learning as a research assistant into the classes. Okay. And she was very understanding. She would assign a project and then I would say, I need to take a step back from the research assistant job this week. So it was really nice working in a program where the professors were the ones assigning the work. So they really understood our workload. Yeah, exactly. And what were your expectations coming into this program? I know you have like a social background and coming into the uh, public policy administration. Where did you meet and make those connections or why did you choose this program? So initially, uh, I was working with Indigenous women in frontline social work. And I really felt that policy was the key issue that a lot of these women were dealing with. It wasn't personal issues, but it was policy issues that were coming down it seemed like from this magical place above them and then the policy would impact them personally. So that's what drove me into policies. I wanted to ensure that sort of social work insight was being included in the policy world. Uh-huh. Uh, my expectations coming in, I really thought I was going to come in and kind of change the world. I thought, you know, this is it. We're the year. We're the people who have the best intentions. Uh, my expectations were that I would come out as a policy buff who was going to rewrite Indigenous policy in all of Ontario and fix the problem. <laughs> So definitely it it tempered my expectations a bit, which was great. I needed kind of a reality check from the program. We're very different, but I'm very glad of expectations by the end of it. Uh-huh, right. And I and as uh, policy makers or researchers, you want to get right down to the root of issues. And once we figure that out, it's like, okay, like this is how we can fix it. But then obviously, like you mentioned, coming into the real world reality check, it's not as easy as people might think it is. Um, So what were some of your favorite courses? Uh, I can already predict some that you might have really liked (laughs) if you want to tell the listeners. So I, of course, love taking my class with Pam Palmer, the Indigenous Law class. Uh Um, Not only is she like a fun professor, but that was also the most informative class I've ever taken. Um, I've done certificates and courses in Indigenous history. I've worked in the Indigenous community. I've sat with elders and learned that way. But I learned so much in that course that I was never taught in my traditional schooling. And the sort of things that really let you have a nuanced take when you're working in policy. Mm-hmm. I also really love Janet's class, Janet Lum. Her policy class was fantastic. That was, that was for sure my reality check. 
the most intense three hours the most intense class but she would bring us snacks and she would like be like you're not eating properly have some peppers and carrots i chopped them up for you like oh my god janet okay fine i guess she hasn't Uh, changed a bit (laughs) no she's like she was like the mom of the program but she was very honest and blunt she Oh, yeah. like, your writing's too long, fix your writing. Nope, this paper's not good, write it again, write it again, write it again. And yeah. it's that sort of stuff, I was like, okay, that's what the policy world's going to be like. It's not right. like writing your dreams on paper and solving the world's problems. It was like, you have to take a 30 page document and write it in 10 bullets. Exactly, those briefing notes, definitely something I'll remember. Um, did you find that the courses were more theory based or more practical for the real world? I found it was a really good blend of the two. Mm -hmm. Uh, My undergraduate program was very, very practical. So I I like learning in a practical way. And classes like Janet's class were great. Uh There was some theory, like the economics and the statistics class are very theoretical. Yeah. (laughs) They do provide you with that foundation that you need. I don't necessarily use those skills. I don't rely on my history of economics understanding in my day-to-day job. But just knowing how those systems kind of work, it's it's helpful. Uh Uh-huh, right, totally. So if you don't mind me asking, uh, where did this interest in in, uh, Indigenous affairs uh, come from? From the start, even undergrad and up till now, you, you sound very passionate about it. So where did this all come from? Yeah, it's, to be honest, it comes from the fact that I'm a white settler Canadian and I wasn't taught any of this. I'm like a seventh generation Canadian. So my family's been here for a while. We're English immigrants um, and I just wasn't taught. So in my undergraduate, I did three practicums. I did one with youth, one with homeless adults. And then I was like, the one sector of our population I've never interacted with is Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. And so I did that assignment. I was in that practicum for a year. And I found it really interesting. I was very welcomed by the community, which felt like an honor. I'm, again, a white settler Canadian uh, social worker, and there's a very complex history between the Indigenous community and social work. And I walked in totally naive, and I was welcomed with open arms. Right. It was uh, a very educational experience. I learned a lot, uh, but I was also really exposed to the challenges that the Indigenous community faces. And I think people are a little bit scared to get involved. There's it's tension or there's fear or there's ignorance or in some cases guilt. And people kind of shy away from getting involved, but I felt so welcome and I felt a responsibility almost to kind of take that forward with me and do something with it. That's that's absolutely incredible and how much time you've dedicated to, to learning everything is, is very impressive. Um, I just, I wanna know why did you feel that the MPPA program was, um, was the way to go to enhance that knowledge? Did you look into any other programs? And if so, why was it that this is the one you you brought it down to? So I did, I applied to the whole gamut of all of the MPE programs that exist in Ontario. Uh-huh. Um, in the end, I chose Ryerson because it's literally around the corner from Queen's Park. Like yeah. you can't get closer to the center of Ontario policymaking right. than around the corner from Queen's Park. And all of the OPS offices are in that area. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It just, you can't beat that. If I wanted to go federal, maybe I'd have gone closer to Ottawa, but like you, you can't logic your way out of, you're literally in the heart of policymaking in our province. Right, so you wanted to create an impact at a provincial level then? Yeah, I think the closer you are to your people on the ground, the closer your policy will impact them. So federal policy is an interest, but I figured that Ontario policy would have the greatest impact in the end. Right. 
right? So I really want to talk about what exactly you've been doing since graduating from the program. What's your journey been like and where are you right now, basically? So right after I graduated, I actually spent a month or after I graduated, I had finished a co-op placement at MTO. So after that, I started working at the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario. So it's a provincial agency, it's arm's length, and it is technically not the OPS, but it is a crown agency. Okay. So I was working as a regulatory analyst there, okay. which was totally out of my depth, and I learned so much there. Yeah. I was doing uh, risk analysis and compliance assessments for casinos and cannabis stores. Wow. So not policy. I was a bit out of my policy world. Uh -huh. um, but then a colleague that I'd worked with in my co-op called me, and she said, hey, I know of a, a level four position that's open in Indigenous Affairs. Do you want it? It's yours. And I was, I was taken aback. I was blown away. I was like, uh, yeah, I would love to work in the economic yeah. policy shop. And she was very, like, yes. So yeah, it was actually a colleague that connected me. Okay. So currently I'm the executive assistant to the director in the strategic and economic policy branch at Indigenous Affairs. Okay, wow. So how would you say that the MPPA program helped you uh, come to this career or how were you you just mentioned it was through connections that you were led to here but what skills do you think uh you would thank the program for enhancing that you think you really use day to day in this position i like hands down i wouldn't be here without the mppa program i could not have gotten my foot in this door without it uh, -huh. uh it kind of is threefold the coursework taught me information and in-depth knowledge that you just simply can't develop you can't figure out the policy making process on your own you need to be taught that so it taught me that um, my co-op program put me in the ministry of transportation which introduced me to the person who got me this job so that co-op i learned skills in the co-op but i also made those networking connections in my field that that helped put me where i am and then my mrp it was focused on the aboriginal procurement program which is not an exciting topic unless you're a huge policy nerd. <laughs> but because I was able to do that deep dive, that's actually something I'm working on now in my role today. I'm actually working on the project that I wrote my paper about. That's but that, okay. It was really cool. It kind of gave me an edge to say, listen, I know everything about that project you're working on. I know it inside and out, and I know everything about it because I did jurisdictional scan for six months, and I know everything about it. Wow. So. Yeah, I, the MPPA program really, really set me up to be where I am. Yeah, so I, I really want to talk more in detail about your co-op placement. How was mm -hmm. it like applying? Was there anxiety about, you know, not securing a place? And what was the transition from being a full-time student to going into that co-op? Did they kind of just throw you in or what was that like? So the application process is easy. I understand that it used to be more difficult where you had apply to every position and now they do the streamline program. Uh, yeah. First of all, apply to every stream is my best advice. Like, don't, yeah. don't limit yourself. You have the skills for all the streams. Yeah. Um, the application process was easy. The waiting process was hard because we applied in like February or something like that. We didn't hear back for ages. Um, so that was a nightmare. I think like 10 people heard back in the first round in my program uh, of those who applied. Yeah. So. Uh, you have to remember this was also like the first round of co-ops since the mm -hmm. Ford government came in. So okay. there was a lot of restrictions and a lot of cutbacks yeah. and a lot of places weren't taking co-op students where they had previously. They just couldn't yeah. afford it. Yeah. So uh, it was very, very stressful, very tense. Yeah. And last year was the first year where they opened up to a few more schools to join into the pool. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot more competition for fewer spots. Mm -hmm. um, it was very humbling. 
for those of us who didn't hear back in the first round, it was very humbling in a very good way. Yeah. But, you know, we're not the only people who want these jobs. There's hundreds of people across the province who want those positions. Right. Um, thankfully, I got my role and I was very lucky to join the Indigenous Relations Branch at the Ministry of Transportation. Uh, and that was a great experience. For me, I loved going into a nine to five job. Yeah. Um, I've, I've worked like retail terrible hours since I was 15 years old. So to have a nine to five, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh -huh. Please give me this routine schedule forever and ever and ever. Right. It was fantastic. Um, I did do my MRP at the same time as my co-op, which I cannot stress enough. It's a terrible idea. It is a very, very, very bad idea. Me that and Janet told me that and Pam who is my advisor told me not to do it yeah. and I did it anyway but oh, wow. so that was like double the stress mm -hmm. <laughs> but no it was for me the transition from student to workplace was good for me I know some people like the flexibility but I really liked having a regular schedule and knowing you know I'm gonna get on the bus at this time I'll be home by this time that's right thing. Yeah, just to have that stability for sure. I know some people yeah. uh, would prefer that much more. I know personally me, I like to have that consistent schedule. Um, wow, but doing a co-op and MRP and those of us or those of you who are listening, MRPs make up uh, or are worth two course credits. So you can just imagine how much work that's going to be. You mentioned the topic that you uh, had your MRP in. Can you go into detail about that? And I definitely want to hear how you scheduled that. And how did you finish that? So I lucked out uh, because I was working in a branch that was also working on the Aboriginal procurement program. Uh, initially, that wasn't the topic I was going to write my paper on. That wasn't what my proposal was on. So I put in my proposal and then I got to the co-op and I was like, nah, forget it. Let's start over. Okay. This was not one of my better moves. Um, and it was really difficult, but thankfully I had a lot of support from my co-op team. Like the team I was with, they, they're like, yeah, no, go ahead, take an hour, go work on it. Uh, they'd ask me to do research that they knew I could use in my paper. And then they'd be like, oh yeah, well, I mean, if you can use it for work, then that's fine yeah. too. Okay. So they were really great. Yeah. Um, if you've met Pam, you know she's intense. She was my supervisor for my paper. She does not accept 80% and she does not accept 90%. She wants 100% of your best work. Right. So I ended up rewriting that paper three times. Wow. Uh, it was the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, it, like to be frank, it was a terrible, terrible time. And I was like, this is miserable. Why did I do this to myself? What fool am I? <laughs> um, and I was very very jealous of my colleagues who either just did the MRP and then finished or just did the course option and didn't do co-op either. Right. Ugh, I wish I had your life right now. Yeah. But uh, it was really challenging, but it really showed me what I was capable of. Uh -huh. um, it also prevented me from doing a PhD because I was like, oh, I hate research. <laughs> oh, I hate this. I don't want to do research. That's not what I want to do with my life. So anyway, it was good because like I learned more about myself and my capabilities. Right. Um, but it was interesting because this level of research isn't really what happens in day-to-day -day policy yeah. but because i have this when someone has a question like hey i know that like i know that answer already like an expert in this topic now yeah like yeah. Well, i wouldn't go that far but <laughs> yeah i definitely have more knowledge than if i was just dropped into the workplace and had to work on this project yeah. so it's neat and it's really cool to kind of connect your theoretical learning to what you're actually doing in the workplace right right i'm so glad that you mentioned that experience and that it's not just all butterflies and unicorns and like 
time management is so important. I, I know in my cohort, people decided to do co-op placements uh, first term, like right as they started the program. And mm. obviously competition was a lot lower. It was easier, I, I would assume, to get a position um, compared to summertime when everyone's scrambling to get something. So you learn as you go along, like, why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't I yep. do this sooner? So I, this is why I hope this series helps cur like current or maybe future students listening mm. and they can, you know, plan everything out beforehand. Um, so can you talk, I know you talked about some of the projects or tasks you're working on currently. What does your typical day at work look like? I know you're working from home now, but if you want to talk about that a bit. So my role, I'm the executive assistant to the director. So I'm actually in a policy adjacent role. I'm not a policy advisor, I, but I work with policy advisors. Okay. So I'm in a more of a coordinator's role. So I kind of defend the director's calendar. Uh -huh. Any materials that come up to him come through me for review. And I'm working with the ADMO, the Assistant Deputy Minister's Office, okay. and the Deputy Minister's Office to connect on projects or for external requests, things like that. Okay. So I'm not actually working on the policy, but I'm working in the policy sphere. In the policy. So my day-to-day -day life is probably a little bit different from my colleagues who are policy advisors, mm -hmm. but it's primarily coordination within our branch. We have a team of 12 people at the moment. so. Basically, my job is to keep the trains running and make sure products are getting where they need to be and making sure our cabinet submissions go in, things like that. Yeah, and do you see yourself in the future moving towards that policy analyst position? Is that something you're uh, still interested in? Yeah, I would definitely like to move into that role in the future. Um, I'm working with a really great team right now, and there's a lot of movement within our ministry. Okay. So I know that role will come up eventually. But for now, I'm actually really enjoying what I'm doing. Right, and I've heard that, especially in the OPS, I heard once you get your foot in the door, it's really easy to move around, make those connections, and it's so great, from what I've heard, everyone looks out for each other. Um, you network, and eventually you'll get to where you want, <laughs> is what I've heard. Yeah, if you, someone actually just recently said to me, if you're nice to people, you'll get further in the OPS than with any other metric. Oh, just wow. being nice and friendly and connecting with people, you yeah. don't need to like be on your savvy networking grind all the time like just like hey how are your kids how's your dog doing yeah and just like making friendly connections with people so when someone it's says your face yeah yeah someone says oh hey we need a policy advisor um but i don't want to do an external hiring process because that's hard work do you know anyone internally who could fill the position because they'll always go for an internal position first they'll always pull someone from inside before they pull outside right so if you're friends with that manager and you've got that connection already, you've set yourself up for a position that you might not have had if you're on the outside. That's good. That's that's good to know. It just shows how important networking and just starting off right with your coworkers and even yeah. your the students in, in the classes, that's where your networking begins. These are all the people you're gonna be working with. So what's something you keep in mind when you're working? Any anything that you learned from the program that's really stuck to you that especially in this ministry that you're working at really sticks with you? Mostly just to keep my mind on why I'm here. And I think that'll, that'll look different for everyone. But for me, it's remembering why I'm in this place, what path I'm on. Uh, on those hard days, you're like, why am I here? What am I doing? I'm in over my head. I'm going back to retail. Like, I'm out. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> there are those days. Everyone has those days, right? You're like, I wish that the work I was doing wasn't so important. And then you kind of step back and go, wow, the work I'm doing is actually really important. And yeah. what we're doing in this ministry is important. 
and we all have a role to play in making a better future for everyone in this province. Um, but for me, yeah, it's just remembering that like there's a purpose to what I'm doing and you know what I learned in that program, especially in some of the courses where I was really connecting with people who were like-minded or they were really on the same kind of path as me, mm -hmm. it's like, we're gonna get there. Right. We're right. gonna get there. And if we keep using those skills, we keep kind of grinding on the same thing, we'll get there. Right. And one thing I noticed, uh, we're so grateful to uh, or lucky to have professors who are currently active in the field already have connections. But when they're teaching us materials um, or concepts, they expose you to a lot of different perspectives that you would have probably never thought about. Right. Like maybe yeah. policy will change lives and there are all kinds of people and sometimes you don't like it's not that you're being ignorant you just don't think that way so to be exactly. exposed to all those perspectives and i think especially in this ministry is a skill that you will definitely need yeah right yeah and taking those electives that maybe are outside of your comfort zone um i forget the name of the course but there's one and about we really focused on privilege and what that means and we really had critical conversations yeah. about what does it mean to be you know a cis white woman right. working in the ops compared to maybe my colleagues who are people of color uh, or my colleagues who are trans like what does that look like for them mm -hmm. and just remembering that your privilege plays into your work and your privilege plays into your workplace and you just being really aware of it that's something that uh, at a staff level we're talking about a lot in the ministry of indigenous oh, affairs yeah. Okay. Because even in a ministry that's focused on, you know, we're doing like economic stimulus packages and things like that. Right. Still within the ministry, we have work to do. And uh -huh. we need to continue doing work on acknowledging where our ministry comes from, what the basis of our ministry's existence is. Right. So Those conversations are so important. Might not be the most comfortable conversations, but it's mm -hmm. so good to hear that at least they're happening and and I'm so glad to hear from somebody inside the ministry seeing a change would you say? Uh, there is a slow change um, there's definitely some institutional problems that just come along with the fact this is a government founded by settlers um, like our deputy minister is an indigenous person but our ADMs are not okay. and some of our directors are indigenous and some of them are not yes. so it's just but seeing those things and seeing the fact that it's not actually a very diverse ministry, even right. within the Ministry of Indigenous Affairs, that's not terribly diverse. But there was one course, the third sector. Uh -huh. That was a really, really great course. And then there's like myself who had a social work background. And there were some people who had no social work background, had no idea what that class was about. Right. And we got to have really interesting and engaging discussions in there right. from those of us who had been very exposed to what was and those who had no idea and were really learning and engaging with that. So it was really interesting. Right, right. And would you have any advice for new students coming into the program? Uh, so the one thing I wish I'd known was how competitive this field was. This field is horribly competitive. <laughs> you kind of hear that stereotype of like, oh, it's a government job and like you go and work nine to five till you die. But like it's super competitive and there are hustlers right out here, just like any other field, there are people working really hard. Yeah. Some people want to be a director by the time they're 30 and they're not going to play around. They're here to like, it's cutthroat politics. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I was totally unaware of how terribly competitive the policy okay. world would be, which you don't think of being competitive. Yeah. Um, 
And don't be discouraged by that. Just because something is competitive and it's hard to do doesn't mean that it's not going to be a great payout at the end. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I would say is just like, don't be discouraged because you're going to put out 50 job applications and maybe get two interviews. Right. Like, don't let that crush right. <laughs> your it's spirit. Good. Yeah, it's a good learning Like, experience. there are 300 points. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, it's a good learning experience. It's humbling. Right. Um, some of them will say five years experience and you've got two, apply for those. Right. But when they say things like indigenous applicants only and you're not indigenous, don't apply for it. Don't waste your energy on that. Don't right. waste your time on that. Uh -huh. If it says data analyst position with extreme data analyst skills, like don't apply for it if you don't have data skills. Right. <laughs> uh, they won't call you back. There's someone who has those skills and they will call that person and then you just spent 40 minutes on a resume and application that you won't hear back yeah. from. But uh, really dig in in the MTA program. There's so much you can do. Uh, there's opportunities. There's the um, social groups you can get in. For me, it was hard because I wasn't a Ryerson undergrad student. So I like dropped into Ryerson and had like no time to experience the student life. Yeah. But do that. Get involved. If you can diversify your resume a little bit, that helps. Uh-huh. And would um, you say that the professors really helped in finding co-ops or did you find that they were genuinely uh, interested in helping your career development? Yeah, so not so much the co-ops, they don't really have control over that, yeah. but for sure the professors were a real highlight of the program. I At no point did I feel like I couldn't ask a question or that I couldn't email a professor and ask. Right. Those who teach the less exciting classes, they know, like, they know that no one loves the history of economics and no one loves statistics. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say that. There were people in my program who did love it. But like the professors know which courses are fun and which ones aren't. Yeah. But if you still approach them and say, listen, I'm terrible at math. I don't get stats, but I'm really trying to learn. Can you right. please help me? You're going to get the help. They're all fantastic in that way. Right, that's good. And how, how was your experience um, attending school in the heart of downtown? It was great. I am, I'm a suburban Etobicoan. Yeah. Uh, so I am from Toronto, but I'm not really from Toronto. Uh, it was great. I loved the feeling of still being close to home, yeah. but still having kind of that unique experience. The Ryerson campus is really cool. It's in a cool area, um, and it was it was nice. Like full of pain and suffering that comes with the TTC. I really enjoyed <laughs> getting to be downtown and having that experience. Um, yeah. Definitely try to pack your classes. I had days where I had three classes in one day, oh, wow. so I didn't have to commute. <laughs> right, right. Um, but no, it was a great experience, and I'm, I'm very glad that I went to Ryerson downtown because um, I got to stay home. I got to stay in my neighborhood where I wanted to, mm -hmm. but still kind of have that different experience. It was right. really cool. Uh, right. And my final question would be: Would uh, your workplace, or would you uh, ever be interested in hosting co-op students? For sure, we actually have a co-op student right now in the master's co-op program. She's from another university, I won't name names. Okay. Uh, but we do have a, I do think we have an MPPA Ryerson student in our ministry. Okay. Um, I think there's about three or four co-op students with us, so we have lots of co-ops. Okay, great. And so there's I, space for students from the program. Uh, always. Right, right. And I'm sure a lot of people in, are interested in this specific line of work. So it's good to hear. Amanda, I want to thank you so much for your time and sharing your experiences. Definitely a very interesting topic. I know it's very popular, Indigenous Affairs. And uh, uh, thank you so much again for sharing your 
advice and experiences. Thanks for having me. Well, everyone, I would like to end the episode here. I hope that this uh, episode was interesting in terms of learning about Indigenous affairs and what it's like to be working uh, so closely with different communities. Until next time.